On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker trailers. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a better way to say that? It just sounds so nerdy. It really does. No do-overs, that's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album, except in this case where we're discussing Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker as a prelude to the release in December of 2019. Alright guys, so um, yeah, let's uh, let's go off topic a little bit tonight, nerd out a little bit, and uh, let's let's get ready for Star Wars Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. So where we are right now, uh, right about the middle of November, so we are probably what five, five and a half weeks out yeah. from the release of episode nine. And at this point, three trailers have been released by Lucasfilm that uh, give increasingly detailed looks into the movie, and this is what we've got. So, you know, I, I have to say, you know, I'm uh, I'm nerding out about this. I'm uh, I'm excited for this movie. I have no idea what it's going to be. I don't know if I'm going to like it or hate it, but I already have my tickets. And I'm actually contemplating buying a second set of tickets so that my kids and I can see it again on that Sunday because that's just how we roll here. At, at that's sort of the modern-day equivalent of when you would go buy um, the King's X self-titled album on CD and cassette. That's right. <laughs> I, I would say, despite your enthusiasm, Joe, I would suggest that the um, anticipation amongst the Palaver fellows is perhaps at an all-time low when it comes to the release of a Star Wars film. In fact, I basically am forcing Ken to go with me to the benefit the night uh, the night before the release just so that I can <laughs> guarantee that he sees it in time to talk about it. That's right. You guys you guys are going to see it uh, that the, the night before at the big... Uh, the big charity gala event. That's right. And the only thing I can't decide is if I should go for the blow up Tauntaun costume or the new, the new one that I saw, which is basically one of those blow up things, but you stick your head inside the Han Solo carbonite uh, inflatable. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. You've got to do that. I'm thinking that one would be that would be hard to get around the movie theater in, though. That's uh, the only problem. But well, I yeah, guess the and wouldn't be easier either. You, you've got you've got to be able to sit down. What if? Oh, see, here's what you do, Paul. You get yourself a Han, a regular Han Solo costume, and so when you don the Carbonite, your Han Solo in Carbonite, when you're out in the lobby hobnobbing with with all of the uh, the the Princess Leia and Amidala and cosplays and all the stormtroopers. And then when you have to go into the theater to sit down, you remove the carbonite, deflate it, 
and you're just regular Han Solo. That's why you run the show here at the Palaver, Joe. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Wow. <laughs> poor, poor Ken is like, I'm staying up for this shit. <laughs> no, I, I, I have a Jedi robe. I, I just have only used it once. So, okay. There you I'm, go. I'm halfway there. So, all right. It, so what's the over-under that any of the scenes that appear in the trailers are actually in the movie? Ooh, that's a good question. Because I know people like to talk about all the Easter eggs and everything else, but these trailers have a way of, of just not actually showing up in the actual film. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I've never paid this much attention to trailers before, so I'm a little out of my depth here. Does it matter what key a lightsaber is in? Yes, yes, it does. Oh, you guys kill me! What? Okay, how does this work? Here? <laughs> I was hoping that you had some insight here, that that you were watching the trailers and you're like, oh, well, Ray's lightsaber is in blah, but Kylo's lightsaber is in blah. So talk to me, Kenny. Boom, this is a G. It's a G. Um, that's all I know. Uh, Are the different lightsabers in different keys? I think so. Oh, yeah. Sweet. See, this is the sort of insight that only the progressive palaver can bring. <laughs> the one, that's one of the things we can bring. Because, obviously, as we've mentioned before on our other Star Wars um, episodes, we are definitely way out of our depth in terms of Star Wars lore. Um, we can, you know, we, we're, we're barely passable with our progressive rock lore. So our Star Wars lore is, you know, it, it's, it's off topic for us. So I don't really make any excuses for that. But yeah. we are just enthusiastic um, consumers with regards to this particular series of movies. At least I am. I mean, yeah, we grew up on this stuff. We did. And you know what? They, uh, you know, they threw us a curveball uh, when they sold off to Disney. And then they said, okay, fuck it. All those books you've been reading your whole life, too bad. They're done. They don't count anymore. And... Um, you know, now we're stuck with comics and cartoons on TV that no one watches. And, um, and you know, like even the trailers themselves, I, I'm, I was watching them tonight getting ready thinking, man, I wonder if the trailers are just like basically standalone features of the canon, right? Like all the lines, all the scenes, like maybe these probably don't even exist in the movie. This is just part of the canon. So we don't have we don't actually have to see Ray doing any Jedi training because we saw it in the trailer. <laughs> well it's it's yeah so gosh there's so much to, to get into here i have been reading some of the new canon books i read the book on grand moff targan by i think james lucerno i i believe and then timothy zahn has a new thrawn trilogy that is now within the canon and it actually occurs between episodes three and four, I believe. It's very interesting. I'm only halfway through at this point. But they so seem. His original trilogy, which was really the first set of books, that doesn't count anymore, right? You're saying Correct. He's, there's a different trilogy that takes place between 
three and four. With right. Thrawn. The okay, the original sorry. Thrawn books that that Timothy Zahn wrote occurred after Return of the Jedi. Right. Right. And and it's it's interesting because you know Timothy Zahn takes that character and sort of reframes him. And obviously, I haven't I haven't finished yet. There are three books, and I'm halfway through the second one, so uh, I can't really spoil anything other than to say it would appear that in this reframing of the character, they're trying to make Thrawn to be somewhat more relatable. And he seems to have, like, he's he's vehemently, well, they, I haven't gotten there yet, but he seems to be opposed to the shenanigans that are leading to the Death Star. Well, in the original, he was also not a big fan of Darth Vader and all that nonsense, as I recall. So yeah, the, uh, the new canon is different. And it's funny how, you know, like you said, Disney sort of struck all of the old expanded universe canon, but they're slowly filling it back in to sort of, you know, meet the needs of what they have now with the movies. Well, I tell you what, not for nothing, when the trailer uh, number one opens up, I'm just going to come out and say it. I mean, we've been talking about the need for strong female characters in, uh, in at least Tom has, in the, um, in the world of cinema. Standing, standing in the desert in her like Luke Skywalker getup, and um, and she's ready to outrun the Tie Fighter. Let's let's get right into then to the uh, into the teaser trailer, and you know, s female character strength aside, I personally find this opening scene to be as stupid as any. Well, it's not as stupid. It's almost as stupid as the Mary Poppins episode in uh, in the last Je uh, yeah was it the last Jedi yeah hmm. I, I just there's so much about this particular scene that just kind of grates on my nerves, and I, I can tell you that when this teaser came out and I saw that that opening, I was I had zero enthusiasm for this movie. And, and not because Daisy Ridley has this strength of character or anything else. It's because I think everything about that scene is just fundamentally dumb. I, mm. I have a significant problem. Like, I understand that J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson have a different spin on everything. And they're trying to sort of modernize and, and make movies in the way that movies are made today as opposed to the way movies were made you know, 30, 40 years ago. But it just annoys the curmudgeon old man in me to have all these starfighters running around in atmospheres of planets. They're starfighters. They're not airplanes. They don't work that way. Well, one of the, the spoilers that we watched today that you guys passed around talked about coming out of light speed help me out here in the atmosphere of a planet supposedly yes. supposedly dangerous at one time and now it's all in vogue right yeah so you know i i just i i so that annoys me and this whole idea of you know if you're running around in the atmosphere in a tie fighter or an x-wing or whatever even a jedi is going to be jumping on top of it i don't know it just seems kind of goofy so there's that. And then I guess the second scene in the teaser trailer 
is is Kylo repairing his helmet. Now, it, it just <laughs> okay. So so Kylo gets pissed off in the second movie and busts up his helmet, and I guess he decides he wants to put it back on. So like a, a kid who broke his mom's favorite lamp, he's trying to glue it back together. He he can't. He he's the the leader of the of of the first order he doesn't have the the resources available to commission a new helmet to be made it's possible he looks like he's using some sort of special um red glue to put the helmet back together which might be i don't know might might have some significance maybe he's using some sort of jedi crystals or something to uh to fuse it back together it could also just be symbolic um, there are some theories that say that you know he turns back to the good side, and some people say he brings Palpatine back, and maybe that all has something to do with him symbolically in the trailer rebuilding his helmet, and we won't see it in the movie. <laughs> we might think that this was driven by toy sales, because now you've got like the... You know, you always have on every new movie now, you've got the, the new Stormtrooper spin. Mm-hmm. Now you've got, like, the cool Kylo Ren. And, and like, the one thing his mask always had was it, it, it lacked a certain amount of character. So now you've got these cool, jagged red lines running around it, and it, it adds a little panache to the whole um, visual that, that Kylo Ren has going on. I now, like it. I, I, I agree. I, I, more toys, I, more toys. <laughs> I, I say that in, in cynicism so that we can invoke our friend who cannot be with us here tonight, uh, Tom Corcoran, who I think to your point, Paul, was much less than enthusiastic about this particular topic to the point where, um, and I'll quote him because he said we, we could, this is Tom speaking, quote, I'd rather piss blood than talk about Star Wars trailers. <laughs> so, so Tom seems to have soured on the whole experience. And so, you know, I, our listeners may be thinking the same thing right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they may be. So, if they, okay. If they come out, if they come out with a Kylo Ren doll that, um, or action figure that has a, um, pol- like a, uh, red patched up helmet i'm buying one for tom and mailing it to him (laughs) nice very very nice so after kylo repairs his his mask we then move on to a wonderful shot of lando calrissian in the millennium falcon which is very good to see very fun uh also reminiscent of one of the approach shots in the battle of endor which we'll get to i think in the second trailer Sure, it's fun if you want to see an old shot of a grandpa laughing uh, as though he's watching some old uh, Benny Hill rerun on TV. <laughs> oh, man. Rough <sighs> crowd for poor Lando Calrissian. Come on. <sighs> he, he, in that shot, he just looks too old to be wearing like a headset for you know the Millennium Falcon. That's all. Okay. He, you know what's I have to say while you were originally describing that opening scene I had it playing you know in the background and um just when you said it was you know the most stupid thing you'd ever seen it was like right as the music swelled as she was like leaping over the tie fighter it was it was pretty magical 
<laughs> I couldn't have planned it better myself. And then we cut very quickly to, um, I guess, the the Death Star remnants that are on this planet in this oceany type area. And then we get the Palpatine laugh. And this was this was the laugh that sent everyone right over the freaking edge. Like, Palpatine, what? Ah! Mm. And then all of the all of the, the the theorizing began. It was it was pretty funny. I remember when that happened. Fill me yeah. in here. It, 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 the Palpatine could come from various sources. Well, I, at this point, I think it's pretty it's pretty well documented that Palpatine is in this movie. Uh, no one is to, is disputing the fact that Ian McDermott, the actor who has always played a Palpatine, is in mm -hmm. fact in the movie. Mm -hmm. The question becomes: How does he manifest? Is mm -hmm. he corporeal? Is he a Force ghost? Is he, you know, Horcruxed into some sort of Sith artifact? You know how how does that actually happen? And I think that's one of the the big things that we're going to have to see once we go in. Yeah, and the idea is the sh the planet, the shots of these um, Death Star, so that we were on like the forest moon of Endor, although we're not in a forest anymore. And the Death Star, the second Death Star, is you know underwater or there, and that is supposedly where Palpatine's spirit was, because that's where he quote unquote died, but most most likely just transferred himself into a force being and to Joe's point, you know, will come back in some way, shape, or form. And and clearly, I might be skipping ahead here, but the fact that somehow he draws everyone together, everyone coming together will be their undoing. He's got some grand schemes. A uh, grand design, you might say. So this is a year after the events of The Last Jedi. Allow me to read the wiki here. Okay. A year after the events of The Last Jedi, the remnants of the Resistance face the First Order once again while reckoning with the past and their own inner turmoil. Meanwhile, the ancient conflict between the Jedi and the Sith reaches its climax. Is that where you were headed? Um, all, all, all together, bringing the Skywalker saga to a definitive end. Which is interesting. You're talking about bringing the saga of the Skywalkers to a definitive end by a film named The Rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, that's a little incongruous there, is it not? Is it the Jedi rise or the Sith rise or just just a climax? I, I don't know. Very, very weird. So I think really for me, this teaser, I mean, it's a teaser. It was the first one that came out. Presumably there probably was not a whole lot of finished clips at that point. So there's only so much that you can actually put out. And it doesn't really tell you a whole lot except for the Palpatine laugh at the end. I think that was the most shocking part about all of this. Mm -hmm. which moves us on to trailer two. Now I had seen this. I don't know when this came out. I didn't see it online. I actually saw it for the first time. I think when I went to see it, uh, chapter two and the, the trailer came on, I was like, Oh, look at this. And it's really, really fun for those old, old codgers in, in the audience because it starts out with the nostalgic montage 
So you get this mix of, of scenes from the previous eight movies in order of their theatrical release, which is kind of cool. You know, when you, when you, at least I wasn't anticipating seeing scenes from Star Wars Empire and Return of the Jedi. And it was just, it was kind of cool to see that. Now I will, I will take this moment to point out that during the summer, there was an old theater in downtown Dallas who, over the course of, I believe, four or five weeks, showed all three of the original trilogy, which was cool. So I took my kids down and, you know, you had you sat in the old style theater and you had like a little tiny bag of popcorn. And it was it was a fun way to sort of see those those movies again on the the big screen and of course beforehand they had all the cosplayers out in the in the lobby and stuff like that so that was that was really kind of fun to sort of to to experience that that way again i have actually seen i think return of the jedi i actually saw in another old theater in grapevine which is right near my house that was several years ago so every chance i i get where it's convenient for me to do that and watch these movies in a theater, I will take it. But I, I was not, like I said, I, I was not in any way, shape, or form anticipating seeing any scenes at all. So that was kind of cool to to do that. And, you know, it's got the same Luke voiceover as the teaser did. And, I, you know, it, it's interesting, near the end of that montage, as they get into some of the later movies, there's a lot of of physical interaction, a lot of hand-holding, in, in, presumably speaking to, you know, this this human connection aspect of all of it, which I find, you know, interesting how they're going to bring all that together. And and there's got to be some sort of overarching thing because they're trying to bring the whole story to a, to a close. And then sort of it, the montage bit ends with this shot of Ray's face. And this was one of the things that I had read or seen on on a video with the the blue and red lights sort of strobing across her face which you know indicates presumably some sort of force conflict so that was that was interesting and then we get into sort of all of the the new things at that point the all the 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 fleet of star destroyers the red-eyed c-3po um and then you've got the Palpatine actually speaks at this point, and you get the Vader breath, and then of course you get the big shocker in this trailer is the last scene where you've got Rey with that sort of weird tuning fork red lightsaber, which opens up into a bow staff type deal. So, and I and I think that one, as it is a tuning fork, the uh, lightsaber hum is uh, a four forty, if I'm not mistaken. Although nice. I haven't verified that. <laughs> very well could be so i watched when this trailer came out i don't remember when i saw it um i watched it a few times and then i watched this like 20 minute video of this guy who did a he did like a live review of it and he was convinced as well as many of the other of his listeners that right around one minute and like 47 seconds there's all of this flanging and sound and noise that there was some sort of voice that said something and 
when he heard it on the thing, he went nuts. Like he was like freaking out. He thought it was like this scary thing. He couldn't understand it. And everybody was leaving comments. I must have stayed up till three in the morning that night listening to this thing over and over again. And I couldn't make out a damn thing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what they're talking about, but they're whatever it is. I, I didn't get it. I had relationships like that, staying up till three in the morning, not understanding the other person. So, you know, (laughs) this film could be for you then, Ken, you never know. (laughs) It it could, it could speak to your life in ways that you wouldn't have imagined. I do dive in on, on, on my own interests, but for me, that's the YouTube video with the dude reconstructing the lightsaber sounds that, that, that I could watch that video over and over again. It's some dude over in the UK. Yeah, that one is awesome. I have he's got seen that one. He's got a cathode ray tube from like an old computer monitor. He's got everything you need to actually do it more to the effect that 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 it was originally done. And he has a synth modeler, modeler, and take it, and you know, modern equipment as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he rocks it, and I, I think I think the trick is you get two that are pretty much the same pitch, but you detune one enough to give it its own identity, and then you then you can have a battle. See, that's cool shit. That we'll have to cool find shit. that one and re, and re, and resend it to you, Joe. Yeah, yeah, I have not seen that one at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, for me, the cool thing with Ray and the red, the dual red lightsaber that that swings around again. You know, I, I'm so, I, I tend to be cynical with these trailers. Like, it's so cool. You want to think about what it could be, all the different things. You know, it's her version of the cave from, right. uh, you know, Empire Strikes Back, or it's just, uh, you know, something that they decided to put in the trailer that we'll never see. They'll just, you know, they won't, it will just magically not be in the movie. Disney violated all laws of physics. You know, there, there's no reality anymore. We already I mean, established that. We talked about that for yeah. 90 minutes in a previous episode. Yeah, I mean, they. I mean, well, we, we did prove that you could potentially survive an a outer space vacuum trip. Yeah. I still disagree, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that that doesn't keep me up as much as the opening statement from, from To the Bone, but that's a whole different story. Well, listen, we have TIE fighters flying in atmosphere. Come on. I mean, it's imagine, all downhill from there. Imagine listening to the beginning of To the Bone until 3 in the morning. Uh, that's <laughs> no, that's no, I would, I, would, I would commit acts of violence at that point. <laughs> Maybe we could overlay the beginning of To the Bone over the first scene of the opening trailer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I agree with you, Paul. I think, pun intended, I think Ray with the red lightsaber is a red herring. That's like C-3PO with the red eyes. Come on. Well, C- yes. C-3PO, for crying out loud. C-3PO got, with the red eyes. That, that'll be interesting. Uh-uh. He was out partying the night before. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and for the record, I don't like the montage at the beginning. I, I appreciate everything that you said about it, Joe. But to me, it's just like J.J. Abrams doing everything he possibly can to try to make people forget about Episode Eight, Even really? though he had a small clip from it in there. It was just that little salt planet with the red dust. And I just felt like he was just trying to distract us away from, you know, all that had happened in the previous movie. As I sit and contemplate on episode eight, 
and I think I said this in our episode, I don't hate it. I don't like, I really, really don't like certain aspects of it. But I also, I also understand the way in which that story opens up everything. The problem that I have is, is the, the extent to which the resistance was decimated in that movie. And Ken, to your point, this is now supposed to happen a year later. And, and now we have all of these starfighters and all of these ships and everything else. I mean, it's just like things don't happen mm -hmm. that fast. I'm sorry. They don't. Well, they it struck, depends. They struck a good deal on that other planet. <laughs> they, won, they won a couple horse races. And is that what it was? Yeah. The, the year is relative based on which planet revolves around which sun. So you're just going to have to <laughs> do your calculations. Your, that your is an excellent point, there. Ken. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. So You know, I, Paul, I challenge you on J.J. Abrams. He may not be putting together trailers. You've got other producers here. You've got Kathleen Kennedy and Michelle Regwan. So For, for sure, for sure. And and listen, there's, there's another video out there. All of these trailers follow a formula. And you, you, I think you can take the teaser trailer from each one of episodes 7, 8, and 9 and run them side by side. And it's basically the same trailer. Oh, yeah. um, if you take the sound away, it's basically the same sort of blue screenshots of ships and everything else and characters. It's it's pretty fascinating. It's definitely formulaic, and they're they're not like, splitting the atom trying to figure out the best way to tease us with any sort of plot. They're just throwing images at us that are going to appeal to our desire to buy tickets. I think that episode eight is going to end up being the episode one of the final trilogy here. I have in no that, doubt. In that, um, you know, I, I don't know if we've ever, did we ever talk about Machete Order, watching the films in Machete Order? I think we did. So basically, if you watch the first six films in Machete Order, you just, you don't even bother with episode one because nothing happens in episode one. If you really think about all of the characters in episode one, if you never watch that film, you know everything that you need to know by watching all of the other episodes. And if you really think about what happened in episode eight, where it started, where it ended, and what all happened in between, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think any of it's going to matter. The, the best part, obviously, by far, of episode eight is Luke's force projection trick, which was so incredibly badass. But to your point, Paul, yeah. I mean, is it, you know, you could not watch the movie and it would be okay. The only thing you would miss is watching Luke Skywalker pull the greatest Jedi trick ever. Yeah, it's true. But nothing really happened other than, you know, they just kind of spent time finding him. They found him. Nothing happened. Then they left. Then he helped them escape by pulling the greatest trick ever, which they probably could have just escaped had they just not bothered to find him. <laughs> So then we go on. Let's move on quickly then to the final trailer. Now, this is this is there's a lot more meat going on here. So we open up with with Ray doing some training. So, Paul, to your point, maybe we don't need to see it in the movie because we've already seen it. And we sort of check the boxes here, right? Because we go from Ray training to Finn to Poe with a new haircut, giving some sort of a rah-rah speech. And if you listen to the guy on the YouTube 
Apparently, Akbar's son is is in the crowd, perhaps, as well as potentially Wedge Antilles. Then there's some sort of cool cruiser thing cruising over the, the trees. So again, now we've got bigger spaceships in the atmosphere. Very annoyed, but it does kind of look like Tantive Four to me. And then we get Ray on the Oceany Death Star. So that's kind of cool. And then we get the alien-style Emperor Throne, which I actually had a note about, you know, what was up with the, excuse me, alien-style Emperor Throne. But apparently that's actually based on the original 1981 concept art for Palpatine's throne. So that's, cool. that is kind of cool. Then we get the sad 3PO, you know, which I don't know. I, I don't know what quite to make of that particular scene. And we get this voiceover from Luke at that point. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. I'm not quite sure where that's going to go either. One of the things that that JJ and Ryan seem to really go heavy in on are these sort of these these mantra sound bites, right? And I, I, again, I'm cynical, so they don't always land with me. Mm. Then we have some horseback riding, which seems kind of strange. We have <laughs> <laughs> that's where that's where they won all the money for the ships. Yeah. Well, and I guess huh. in, this, in in a in a further scene, it looks like they may be horse riding across a star destroyer or something like it that. Looks like it. Yeah. And then yeah. you've got uh, Kylo and Ray double teaming a statue or something, while Ray's holding some sort of a dagger, which may or may not be a Palpatine Horcrux. And then there's what appears to be Ray, maybe in front of Palpatine, before it winds up with this long shot of 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 Ray with a Luke and Leia voiceover. So a lot mm. going on there. I I thought it was very very funny. I'm. The, the guy who did the one video that I sent you to, he obviously did one on, on this one as well. I don't know if you found or watched that, but the, the list of ships that he lists in that resistance fleet is off the charts. You know, this guy has got way too much time on his hands. X-Wings, Y-Wings, your mom's wings, we saw. <laughs> well, what, what I find funny is you know he, he lists obviously there's the millennium falcon in, in front there's uh, the ship ghost which is from star wars rebels one of those cartoons that paul complains about that no one but apparently my kids watched there's a, a Listen, couple i just of, don't think i should have to watch a cartoon to understand what the hell's going on in star wars that's all i don't necessarily disagree with you i i never watched uh i never watched rebels and i i watched very little of the clone wars there are a couple of other named ships that I don't know, but one of the things that I found funny was there was a there's a ship called the Outrider, which was flown by a character named Dash Rendar in the Shadows of the Empire <laughs> book and video game. I think that was, the book was great. I n I that never was, read the, the book, book but I but I yeah, had I had some of the the action figures from that time period and I was always fascinated by those characters and I really wanted to read the book, but I never did. I should probably go find it and and check it out. But I you know, it, obviously Shadows of the Empire and Dash Rendar are, are you know, 
is one of those things that was cast out of the cannon. So it's kind of cool to see his ship actually show up here as sort of a an homage, if you will, to all of the things that, that did come before. And of yeah, course, it's kind of like they can just take all the things from the canon that they want and the things that they don't want. They put it all in this movie and blow it all up. And well, then yeah, we I think, mean, and then they can just move on. Right. Because this is it. Right. This is the end of the, the main sequence. So end of the saga, you know, put it put it all out there. Everything you got, throw it in there and people will lap it up. And schmoes like me will go and see the movie three times and we're going to debate about it for 90 minutes and it's going to be spectacular. The saga will end, right? That's the tagline. But 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 they're still throwing other movies at us. What what was just announced here? Uh, uh, what what's what's the next one coming out in the in the uh, in the tangents of, of Star Wars? The bounty hunter one is that it? Oh, the Mandalorian is actually a show on the Disney Plus streaming service. Mm-hmm. Tell me how this works. I I, I, I I don't know my midi-chlorians from my Mandalorians, so you're going to have to educate me. It's sort of like this. If you would like to watch any Star Wars movies on, at home in the future, or any Disney at home in the future, you now have to subscribe to Disney+, Plus, which is like Netflix for Disney. Really? And in order to get schmoes like me to sign up for it... um. They have decided to put together what everyone wants to see, a TV series about basically somebody dressed up like Boba Fett mm-hmm. and, and put it on there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'll tell you what, Dave Vanderhoof right now, is he likes it hook, line, and sinker. He's in. Here's the trouble, right? So the greatest, the best series of books that were ever written um, were, were about the clone troopers. And the book, the reason the Commando, the Clone Commando book series was so awesome is it was they took like a certain number of clones and they broke them off from the rest and they tweaked their genetic clones so that they could have a little bit more reasoning and a little bit more free thought. And they trained them to be like uh, like Navy SEAL versions of clone troopers. And they were each given an instructor and the instructors were basically these old mandalorian warriors Hmm. and the books were phenomenal and it goes all the way up to order 66 and then that's when they decided they were going to change the canon and all those books basically got erased from from the timeline my understanding is now is that the mandalorian and the and the man the, the the concept of the culture of of mandalore is completely different now that it's they're more of a pacifist type culture so it's all blown to shit, but it, you know it, it. It still seems very compelling from what I've seen with the trailers, but I haven't watched the the episode yet. Huh. So the name is Karen Travis T R A V I S S. Yes, thank you very much. Hmm. So worth reading those books, even though they mean nothing now. And and where is this somehow around the time of episodes two and three? Yes, so that that takes place in between um, episodes two, and actually the series goes right up to, um, I think the fourth book in the series is called Order sixty six, and then there's a, a the next book was called the five hundred and first, representing the five hundred and first legion of uh, elite stormtroopers, 
um, that were created uh, once the emperor created the galactic empire. Uh, and then and then everything died because um, they decided to make it out of canon. But but that would be a good period. I mean I mean I, I gotta say, Django was was it Django and Boba really easy to like in those movies when they weren't being too long and drawn out and just kind of pastiches of whatever random shit George thought of that day on set. They, otherwise, you know. Good shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the original trilogy, you know, Boba Fett just, he had such a a relatively small part in that movie and became such a cult figure out of it that people just lost their their crap. All right. That's that's legit. So so, um, do we expect more in the cinema? Maybe not on uh, Disney pay-per-view as it were but but even after the rise of skywalker do we anticipate more cinema i think we have to anticipate more cinema disney is a company that's founded on making movies i think they've realized they may have overplayed their hand a little bit based on some of the things that i've seen and read recently but they're going to regroup there's a lot of stories here and I can almost guarantee you that we're going to have Disney movies for a very, or Star Wars movies for a very, very long time. I, I wouldn't even be surprised if they, at some point, pick up this thread and go from here. They may not call it, you know, part of the the the, the core story, but it will. What what are you laughing at, Paul? <laughs> Sorry. It just occurred to me a better idea for this particular episode would have simply been to read all of the comments off of YouTube around these trailers. (laughs) (laughs) You got something good laid on us, man. Oh, geez. I mean, some of these are great. The, uh, here's a couple of ones that, that just, um, (laughs) one is 2019. The saga ends 2020. Tashi Station Power Converters, a Star Wars story. <laughs> 2020, <laughs> 2020, Django Fett's Jetpack, a Star Wars story. <laughs> oh, and then there, there's one here that says, uh, keep your fingers crossed, Palpatine says, do it at least once in the movie. <laughs> do it. Oh. Can I uh, insert a little bit of Twin Peaks? Please do. <laughs> Why not, man? So, 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 just two weeks ago, one of the most comprehensive Twin Peaks spoilers was released on the web, and I did manage to absorb most of it. And if you buy into this particular spoiler, what you are watching at dramatic junctures in Twin Peaks, where there is you know, content from David Lynch himself. It's David Lynch providing commentary and opinion uh, 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 based on his experience in the business and 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 his response to what did they call that unfettered violence or you know violence without consequence? Right. Yeah. Uh, 
just taking that model, just taking that metaphor and just throwing it into the J.J. Uh, Abrams and the Star Wars universe, um, is, is there any model for looking at social commentary, the state of the business, the state of movies, the state of media, the state of the world or politics in, in any of this? Or is it, is it just pure showmanship and um, fantasy? I am not particularly informed when it comes to J.J. Abrams, I don't know what his his core belief is or how he approaches things. I I do my impression and take it for what it is. And, and like I said, it's it's not particularly informed. My impression is that he is very keen to make good movies. And I think he's intentioned to make important movies, but I don't know that he actually achieves that. Oh, wow. That's, that's a very polite way of saying he has no cultural significance. Yeah, I mean, if, if you think about, and it was, it was funny when I was, when I was dating that woman, last year and she and I used to get into arguments over episode eight, right? And, and this could be this could be a generational thing. Because sounds like a keeper. Yeah. Because so all throughout all throughout episode eight, and then granted that was Ryan Johnson and, and not and not JJ Abrams, although I think he picked up this particular thing. They they beat you over the head with the, oh, the resistance is all about hope and hope will change everything. And for whatever reason, this really, really resonated with her. And to me, it just rang as completely hollow and stupid, mostly mm -hmm. because of the way that the, it was almost sonic dissonance or how we describe it, because you're, you're talking about hope, but the extreme to which they, they created this situation was, was too extreme. It went far beyond the point where you would have any hope, and there's really no reason to believe that the resistance can survive with literally like, you know, a dozen people on the Millennium Falcon, which is where Episode Eight wound up. So, you know, I and oh, maybe what, what was the episode with the little kids in the stables? Was that, that was seven? eight? That yeah. was eight. Oh, that was eight. Okay. Yep. okay. Right. Yeah, that was pretty corny, wasn't it? Yeah. But but to her, you might have thought it was the most poignant thing ever made. So you know, maybe I maybe we just don't get it. It seemed like it would be really cool, but the movie sucked. So none of that's going to matter, right? Like that. Like Rian Johnson probably had ideas around the fact that you know these little kids were going to be the future and they were going to be linked to the next movie and all that stuff, but. You know, unfortunately, nothing of, of that nature is probably going to be linked to the next movie because nobody liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't put it past them. They, they did all kinds of weird shit in, in episode eight. Didn't they didn't they break the uh, fourth wall and, and kind of had that that weird kind of um, when Ray and Kylo were doing the telepathy, they were almost like looking at the audience kind of a thing. I don't know. I, was, I, 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 was episode eight the scene where Ray was in that room of mirrors? Yes. Yeah, in the in the dark force cave. Yeah, that doesn't. I mean, that's 
Wasn't Conan the Barbarian in like a room of doors or something like that? At, at, in that that movie? was Conan the Destroyer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Not not the better Conan. Conan. No, story. for sure, for sure. So hmm. yeah, I mean when you're when you start when you start evoking images of Conan the Destroyer, yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's not where you want to go. You want to stick to Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. Right. 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 Which what was well, what was the, what was the mantra in that? To crush your enemies, to see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of the children. <laughs> no. Really? Wow. I remember watching that in your house, Joe. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, my my family was big on Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, it's it's true. I don't think it was like, you know, watching it. You know, in the basement, just you know, with just the guys. I think it was the whole family. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a family affair in my house. Overall, I'm excited for the movie. Um, I I hope that I don't have the same experience that I had with the Han Solo movie, where I have to run home and search YouTube because you know what I saw on the screen didn't fit with my timelines of the show and then i have to realize that oh it's because i haven't watched two seasons of some stupid cartoon to understand that darth maul is actually still alive um <laughs> i'm hoping that i can actually comprehend the film you know on my limited knowledge that i now have of star wars and um well i mean if 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 jj abrams does what he did last time and just regurgitates episode six i guess then you should be good yeah, so basically, Ray is going to try to take on Palpatine, and Kylo Ren decides to uh, kill Palpatine once and for all. Now, I let's t let's talk Kylo Ren merchandise for a second. I I understand Kylo mm -hmm. Ren and is is merchandise driven, and how spectacularly cool is the 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 cross guard lightsaber that is unstable and, and sort mm. of pulsy, right? Very, yeah. very cool. Everybody wants that toy. I get it. It looks great. But here again, I run into problems with that cross guard. You know, it, it's just going to cause problems when you've got something of, of that power. That's a, that's a cross guard. <laughs> there's, there's one scene and and I think it's the second trailer. It doesn't really matter what it is, but, um, Kylo is, is is running through and he kind of lifts up someone with the hilt of his yes. of, of his lightsaber. Now, with those little jets firing out the sides, that dude's totally fried in addition to just being lifted up and tossed around. Oh, physics, you fool. I know, that. right? Yeah. Uh, blimey. No, you, you don't get your rules, your laws. That's right. After After Mary Poppins, everything is suspended. Well, okay. I don't really like Poe. Can I say that? Yeah, you, you can. can say it. He's a chump. I mean, he's just kind of more like a bro culture Luke, right? Yeah. Mm. Without the without the cool Jedi stuff. Yeah, but but he's not but he's not on the outside enough to be like Han. He's just kind of like a, a milk toast dude. And I'm sure otherwise Oscar Isaac is seems to be a competent actor. It's just something about the character doesn't like really do much for me. It's it's almost like they they split up character facets between Poe and Finn 
to where mm-hmm. neither one of them is complete enough. Right. Right. You know? Yeah, you'd think they could have done it with just one of them. And and wasn't there love interests with um Finn? Finn and, and Rose. And Rose. And Rose we've pretty much thought died. But no, she's but, in but she's cle- in the trailer. But cl- but clearly she's in the trailer, so yep. she is alive and well and running. So what will happen there? I agree with you. I think those two characters are have gone already beyond their arc. Yeah, they're they're and, just not and, compelling and, in any way, shape, or form. They don't serve any purpose, like you know. Well, Finn is definitely better than Poe. I mean, if 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 he just had a little more screen time and something, a little bit more of an investment there, I think. Right, but but think about you know, and and let's 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 nitpick here for a minute. Think about the potential character development that they wasted. Here's a stormtrooper who defected. Right. How right? cool is that? How how, how cool, is that? cool is that? Yeah. And, and and what you know what what are the implications of that for him mm-hmm. you know personally and and how does that manifest itself and you know was there ever a time when you know he was under suspicion for something I mean you could have done a gazillion different things with him mm. and you know and even in the beginning in episode seven you know there was that 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 small period where he was running around with the lightsaber, which suggested he, you know, could potentially be force sensitive, I guess. I don't know. You know, why is, why is Ray the only one who gets to run around with the lightsaber? Mm -hmm. Now I, I I was actually, you know, I'm, I'm nerdy enough. I was actually talking about this at lunch. I think it was yesterday. The one there, there are a couple of aspects of, of these current movies that I wholeheartedly support and kind of groove on. The one already mentioned is the 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 Luke Skywalker cross the galaxy force projection. Very, very awesome. The other thing that I've sort of I've come to appreciate is the the origin of Ray as a super force user. And I like that in the idea that as Kylo and Snoke started exerting their dark side force the force needing to balance itself had to manifest a light side equivalent and so i like that i like the fact that ray could have actually come from absolutely nothing and merely been a vessel that the force needed to balance out itself very very cool so i hope to heaven that they don't give us any sort of Ray super reveal backstory. I love the way they left it in episode eight, where she's just nobody. And she, she has these powers simply as a necessity of nature. I like that. I don't want to burst your bubble, but I'm not in the same camp as you. Okay. The momentum in that other direction is so strong. Not sure that they can resist that. Oh, I agree. I, I, I'm I'm deathly afraid that they're going to. I just, for me personally, I would be happy if they didn't. There are far too many videos out there with with pure nonsense. But I, you know, there 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 are some very strong theories that 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 she has lineage. Just saying. I I I know they're there. I just I. 
I have found comfort and solace in the theory that she doesn't. Okay. So if and when they reveal her to have some super important lineage, then, you know, when we reconvene to discuss this, we can hash that out. I think um, tonight, overall, I think we may have done Tom Corcoran pretty proud of our handling of, of the trailers. <laughs> Do you think so? We haven't been all gushy, gushy-washy. I think it's been pretty fairly critical overall. Well, I, I, I think I, for me personally, I already can tell you that I am going to see this at least three times in the theater. I can promise you that I'm going to do that. No. Even if I don't like it, I can guarantee you that I'm going to do it anyway. If for no other reason than my kids are probably going to like it, and they'll they'll make me take them, yeah. which is is cool. That's fine. Um, you know, it's it's not often there's something I can do with all four of them at once. I, I'm anticipating liking this movie. I'm anticipating also being a little disappointed in this movie. I expect there are certain areas where it's going to leave me wanting, much like, you know, the the ending of The Dark Tower was constructed in order to not provide a happy ending because Stephen King finds those ultimately unsatisfying, and so a lot of people were pissed off at that. I kind of appreciate that. I, wanna, I want to stay on the journey, and I'm afraid they're going to put too many big, pretty bows on too many things that ultimately are going to be distasteful to me personally. That's me. I get it. A lot of, a lot of people probably want that. That's cool. So I'm afraid of that. Uh, and and being sort of let down in that regard and there's a there's another part of me that is you know there were lots of things about episode eight as as paul pointed out that weren't great and that leaves me a little trepidatious but i'm at the same time you know i don't think these trailers you know, give us anything really too significant. I think there's still a lot to sort of discover with regards to what this movie is going to be. And I am very happy and willing to just sort of embrace it for what it is. It's not, you know, it. Star Wars is no longer the movie that, that shaped my life as a seven to 10 year old. It, it will never capture my imagination in that same way again and i accept that i'm okay with that it's is it melancholy sure but it's still fun to go into the movie theater and lose yourself for two and a half hours in this universe mm -hmm. and you know who doesn't whether it's whether you you like ray's origin story or not or if, if I have concerns about the physics of Kylo Ren's lightsaber guard, who doesn't love a good lightsaber battle, man? That's just freaking right. awesome. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's so true. I, my friend Mike played in an In Excess tribute show uh, last weekend. And, you know, it was like when they played the album Kick, it was like being transported back to 1988. And it was just fun to feel like you know, a 17 year old again, you know, and that's kind of how I feel whenever I watch any of these movies, whenever I go to the theater and watch them, I just feel like I just let the, the little boy inside of me come out and enjoy what's there. I don't worry about atmosphere. 
and anything else that you know I should worry about. I just I just try to enjoy the story and all the fun for what it is. So I'm I think I'm with you, one hundred percent. And I have to read I have to read this one last comment. Please do. Um, this guy Ian H. This comment got twenty five hundred likes. Wow. And he writes, "I'm worried that Luke will never get the power converters. It's like the series got massively sidetracked." <laughs> that is awesome it it is what it is and this is just to sort of you know if anyone is interested to to whet their appetite for our our full recap after the movie comes out which i'm very excited to do it should be should be quite fun any other sort of closing thoughts before we we give up Star Wars for the nonce and await December 20th or 19th in your case? Oh, man. I just scrolled to a very bizarre theory. Ray is the daughter of Captain Phasma and Poe Dameron. <laughs> How did that happen? Wow. Uh, uh, to sell more Phasma suits. I don't know. That's, yeah. That's a... That's a really weird, weird theory because neither one of them are force users. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but but you could you could you could put anybody in that suit and spin off a movie. So that that's a good way to go. You get that same crazy feeling you get when you see a bounty hunter. That's right, exactly. Well, guys, I I appreciate you humoring me by by actually taking time out of your nights to to talk about trailers for a a kitty film essentially but mm. you know I, I just i i thought it would be fun i think it was fun and i very much look forward to seeing this movie here in uh several weeks so thanks guys appreciate it We hope you've enjoyed this somewhat rambling and off-topic discussion of the Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker trailers. If you have any thoughts, comments, questions, or feedback about this or any other Star Wars topic, or any progressive rock topic as well, please feel free to reach out to us. You can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for at Progpala or Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is, as always, available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and we are hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening. And we acknowledge the laws of physics. (laughs) 